0: Uh, Amy, would you stand up over there? This is Amy Wickstrom. So uh, we've started the school this year in response to lots of things, and uh, God just really spoke to us about it. It's a very timely thing. I honestly hadn't expected to start a school, and then, boom, we had a school. And it's flourishing and growing with waiting lists everywhere. And I just wanted you to be aware of her if you would like to talk to her sometime uh, about your children and everything's uh, Filling up very very fast. We have uh, all kinds of classes. So I go all the way to eighth grade now, right? K seven this year, grade next fall. Ah, this year K through seven. Next year is eighth grade as well. All the way from K to eighth grade. Whew! Wow. Okay. That's going to be amazing. So, with regard to that, um, just keep praying for us because we've been very very busy. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been more busy during this whole time of COVID in my life. Because we God blessed us and we use it as a time for us to get things done, plan things, uh, work on things that we hadn't had time to work on, and uh, also in anticipation of growth and expansion. And so has been one, as you see in this room, it's been one big building project. But the building project, by God's grace, is now moving on this side and over to this building and the, and the warehouse building. So we have all kinds of things that we have before the city. And i just like to ask God to help us. Lord, I just pray we have uh, good plans uh, for this uh, facility, for this uh, ministry, and the three buildings that we own, and even the fourth one that we don't own yet. And so, Lord, we just give those into your hands, in Jesus' name, amen. So the title of the sermon is Moms and the Good Plans God Has for Us. (laughs) I can remember my mother, she always seemed to have a plan for me. You know, and a good plan, too. Some things, at times, I didn't think they were so good. But for the most part, uh, she always was looking after my welfare, always seeing uh, down the road. And so it turns out that uh, moms get that from God. And dads can get good plans as well. But I don't know. Somehow moms, when they get this plan for you, they're fierce about it, right? And they're usually pretty close to what it should be if they know Jesus. And uh, and But whatever you know, whatever, even their plans, no matter what they are, you know they're Uh, almost always, 99% of the time, with good intention, especially if the mom knows Jesus and looking after her children. thing is, though, it turns out that God reveals important things about himself through the way he works through mothers. This revelation helps us to understand God and how he brings forth his plans for us and our kids. So it's really powerful to study motherhood in the Bible because God uh, uses moms to give us some of his best explanations of how he does stuff. And so I'd like to start with Isaiah chapter 49. What an amazing passage of Scripture. I want to just start reading from verse 14. But Zion said, now Zion is the church, uh, the group of God's people, the ecclesia, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, Zion represents the gathering of God's people, God's people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? But Zion said that as God's people, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Maybe some of you came in feeling that way, a little bit forgotten. We've had a rough year, maybe some difficult things have happened, maybe some of your dreams about motherhood or marriage haven't quite materialized, maybe it's gone the other way. Maybe someone disappointed you, discouraged you, um, even betrayed you. And So sometimes we get in that place, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. But this is what God says about that. So if anybody's in that place. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she is born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Wow. See, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Ever, anybody ever put a big black mark on the palm of your hand? It'll drive you crazy, man. <laughs> What is that? You know, oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because it's that obvious, you know. Your palms are far more obvious. So he says, you know, I've I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. Isn't that amazing? God sees me that often. He doesn't forget. Things I've prayed, things I need. I'm engraved on the palms of his hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your children hasten back and those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. What an amazing promise in itself. Your children will hasten to come back to you and to the Lord. A promise for all mothers today. I'm going to say that again. Lift up your eyes and look around. What he's trying to say is, don't be discouraged. Don't get overwhelmed. God's for you. God's with you in this. All your children gather and come to you. I really like that passage of scripture. It says a lot, doesn't it? So, as we've said today, moms have plans for their kids. And God has plans for us. It's amazing how God seems to link, link these concepts. How mothers have plans. And how God has plans. And so I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 29. And I can even remember my own mother. She had plans for me. And and, and there weren't manipulative or controlling plans at all. Some of them were just as simple as, hey, I think you should learn how to ski. So she knew nothing about skiing, so she carts us around the back of the mountain and says, okay, got some lessons, here you go. <laughs> we never even hardly thought of it, but she just thought it would be a nice idea. So that's how I learned to ski. She said all kinds of other stuff like that, you know. Then later I really thanked her because it was a lot of fun. It was great. <laughs> it was really great, right? Just, but this is a tiny thing. But it's always looking after welfare, always wanting us to do well. That's the way my mom was, and a lot of our moms are like that. But could God be like that? Ah, so that's the picture. Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking. Declares the Lord. And I'll tell you, sometimes the enemy distorts this so horribly. Like God doesn't care. He even tries to paint God in a bad light. And blame God for things. And, and make you think that God's responsible. Here's God's will. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Oh, well, I mean, like, prosper me financially. Or prosper me just spiritually. Or prosper me in just this area or that way. No, everything. everything. All tied together. Plans to prosper What What's prosperity look like to you? What would it look like today? <laughs> I'm looking at John. Prosperity, I know it would be for you today, John. We just talked about it. I'm not going to mention it. Anyway, well, we have some plans that we'd really like to see God move things around, right? Some of them are quite hilarious, you know. If you would just do this for me, I would be very happy about it, right? Yeah. That's what we're talking about. And some of those plans have a huge amount of emotion in them. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. <laughs> plans to give you hope and a future. What a good deal! Is God really a good deal like that? Yeah, yeah, He is, evidently. For I know the plans I have for you. See, that's why I'm merging these two, because moms usually have great plans for us. At least an intent, right? Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. So if you want to prosper, you can talk to this God who has good plans for you and he would love to listen to what you have to say. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So if you believe that God has plans to prosper with all your heart, whatever that is, whatever areas that it is, then pursue him. He's challenging you. This is a God challenge about his plans for you. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So he's talking about his Israel got into big trouble. Total rebellion. I mean, the rebellion was so severe they were sacrificing their children to other gods, literally killing them. So he had to discipline them. But he never lost sight of even rascals like that. Horrible things. He never lost sight of his children. And mothers are the same. They're built that way. So that's why combining these two concepts, since we just talk about it more, we're going to see how moms and God work together a lot. They're they're a picture. Now dads are another picture of God. And sons are another picture of God. You know, brothers are another picture, sisters are another, right? But this is Mother's Day, so we're talking about moms. Isn't it interesting to everyone here, I mean, and I've just thought about this a lot, Mary was the first human being to be told about Jesus. She's the first one. She knew all about this whole thing, and it was quite traumatic for her to to, uh, go through this, right? It's amazing. And then between her and Elizabeth, what's remarkable is they're talking about the entire change of all of history. Two women talking in the kitchen, basically. <laughs> I like this so much when I think about this. I think about it every Christmas, too. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. This is verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. Where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's John the Baptist that's in the womb. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. Now, these two ladies are talking about the history of the earth, the fate of the planet in the kitchen together, having a casual conversation. Well... How's the mother of Messiah, son of the living God, doing today? (laughs) And this is happening with them nobody else knows in the whole world. I know the plans I have for you. God gives mothers plans. They have plans that's God-given. It's something that God speaks to them, tells them. Amy, I'm sure glad that you've had six kids. I think it's amazing. But I'm also glad that God put this plan in your heart for schooling, for education. You know? And then she dragged me into it. (laughs) She didn't drag me, didn't have to push too hard. But I was just amazed because she keeps having this vision. Now, Mike, this is going to be a different kind of school. It's going to be a hybrid. It's going to look like this and like this and like this and like this. And I said, wow, that sounds pretty good. And then the nightly news began and we began to see the mess around our country. And go, that plan looked better and better. Finally, uh, it took me a while, but I got on board, you know. Yeah. Plans from a mother of six who wants to do homeschooling hybrid school and oversee that too. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. Wow! Now Mary was so special simply because somehow or another, I suppose God looked across the whole earth and decided you know, who can I give this job to, to be the mother of the Son of God? The first requirement is she has to actually believe that it's true. (laughs) Which is a big deal! But Mary had this qualification. She could believe in a massive promise. I wonder if sometimes Our capacity to believe in big things is proportional to what we get. Maybe God has incredible plans for us, but they're so big, they're so amazing, we just can't believe how it would be possible. And there's something about the Holy Spirit of God, there's something about the way God works that unbelief sort of repels Him, repels the presence of God. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Wow. So we look at uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 18 to 20. So now the baby's born and now Herod has some idea that something's up about to kill a bunch of the children in Bethlehem. But the shepherds become aware of this glorious thing. And there they go, and so they hurry to the manger scene. And I like this. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This revelation of Messiah. Look at this, verse 19. This is very special here. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. In other words, several people were privy to the same information, but she took it deeper. She understood the significance. She caught it. And that's why God could entrust her with being the mother of Jesus. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had seen, heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. But Mary had this little one growing, uh, I mean, it's one born now, growing in her household. And and, and something inside of her, in terms of what he's for, is growing at the same time. So she was pondering the prophetic destiny of her children. And moms have a unique way to do that. I really believe that. So we see other moms in the Bible. Remarkable stories. God spoke to Rebecca about the destiny of Jacob. And if you don't know Jacob, is that's Israel, no present-day Israel. So he was named. Israel, but uh, his original name was Jacob, but God renamed him Israel. Rebekah intervened so that Jacob fulfilled his calling. She understood his destiny. Now, here's an interesting thing. His father uh, knew a little bit about destiny, right? He knew a little bit about destiny. You know, son of Abraham, he understood the promise. They got their family there in the first place. But there were some things that he knew and then some things he wasn't aware of. And it's interesting to me that some of the most important things he didn't understand. He was about to follow the normal pathway of giving the inheritance and the authority in this patriarchal spiritual and practical authority. He was going to give it to his eldest son, but his eldest son wasn't the one. And somehow or another, she knew. And it's a bold thing in that time to go against the grain, to step into this thing and say, hey, hey, wait a minute. The firstborn doesn't get the inheritance. I mean, here we don't think of it that way, but it was like, this is earth-shaking. Especially if you think about the way Abraham was called, and now Isaac's called, and now the thing's going to progress. This is like redemptive history, all the way down the lineage, right? Uh, up to Jesus. So we're talking about the very lineage of the Messiah, the very lineage of the Jewish people. And so for her to say, well, it's not going to be the firstborn, this is revolutionary. But so she's having these babies, and, she, and this is just so beautiful because there's just something that happens in a mom's connection to her children because of the closeness and the caring of it that I just don't think can be reproduced. It's special, it's unique, and extremely spiritual and powerful. And so we see it here. Let me just read these verses. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. So the lineage is going to continue. But not just the physical lineage, but we're talking about the promises of God extending all the way down to our day. The way the Messiah was to come, the way Israel was to be born, the whole thing. And Israel was in the womb. His name was Jacob then. The babies jostled within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within. You will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the other will serve the younger. Wow. So she knows something's up. She knows that the secondborn is the one that gets the inheritance. So as this begins to play out, we look at Genesis chapter 27. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So Isaac knows he's about to die. So he says, go get some wild game for me, and I'm going to give you the blessing. Now, this blessing was just not any blessing. This is like, you're the one, you get the inheritance. But with it was a spiritual blessing. Can I just underline this a little bit for you parents? This is something that I think in our modern day culture have been lost. Beware of the blessing of your parents. It's powerful. Strong. Don't give up on that. If you're a parent and if you're a child, get that blessing. <laughs> However you can get it, get it. Don't be dumb. I don't care if you're old and your mother and father are older. Get the blessing. Get the blessing of your parents. Because there's something to that, both spiritually and financially, in every realm of life. One thing about the Old Testament is so great is it mixes spiritual things, financial things, job things. It's all in one lump. It's blessing, right? It's not like we have your spiritual life over here, and this is over here, and this is over here. It, it, it's all connected, and this was understood in the inheritance. So she's listening, saying, hey, I'm going to bless you when you get back with the game. Rebecca said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So she's going to interrupt the whole thing. He can't see very well. Jacob said to Rebecca, his mother, my, my brother Esau, he's a hairy man. Well, I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother, his mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. He's got an idea. I got a word. <laughs> he's got a tradition. I really know what's going on here. So, He went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just like the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goatskins. skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. Wow. And so moving on ahead, uh, so he blesses him. My son, bring me some of your game to eat, this verse 25, that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you, which exactly has happened. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. That's what I call a blessing. What a remarkable thing we see here. And Jacob's the guy that gets it. And then Esau comes back, and he's really mad. And so a whole other part of the story begins to develop. And so they end up sending Jacob to another place where he gets his wife, and then he comes back, and the lineage It continues. What a remarkable story. There's all kinds of things involved with that. If you look in the New Testament, the mother of James and John interceded boldly for her two sons. And I know it probably offended all the rest of the disciples, but you get the idea here. Moms have kind of this way about them with regard to looking after their children. I mean, dad may be asleep, but moms are rarely asleep when it comes to the blessing of their kids. Right? And even it's so remarkable to me, that how is it that this super guy i mean isaac snow like like he's a child of promise but how did his wife get this she knew ah there's just something there that's special for us on moms day something for all you moms to realize there's some kind of a capacity and ability and maybe you just say even a fierce interest so we see this fiercely interested woman in matthew chapter 20 verse 20 to to 23. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with his sons and kneeling down asked to favor him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, just a tiny little prayer. <laughs> Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Just a small <laughs> blessing prayer. <clears throat> she figured, well, I'm going to go for it. I'm going big. Yeah, she went big. All right. <laughs> he says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? Yep, absolutely, we can. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. That goes even higher than me. These places belong to those from whom they have been prepared by my Father. But the the mom took a shot at it anyway. So we should ask boldly for our lives and our children's lives. We should learn from this and assume God has great plans for us even when we are discouraged. Jeremiah chapter 33 is just an incredible uh, example of that. Here's Jeremiah, the prophet, and he's uh, been arrested over and over again, confined, because he's telling the whole people, you guys are going to get exiled, right? But while he's in that place of discouragement, and everything's going wrong, and Israel's going the wrong way, look at this. Well, Jeremiah was still confirmed... Confined in the courtyard of the guard, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. So in that place of confinement, the word of the Lord comes to him. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Did you know you can do that? In some ways you can do that better than Old Testament people. You're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ given access to the Father, free access. So when you're down, even if you're in confined and in prison, or your children are confined in prison, or something's gone wrong, call to me, and I will answer you, and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So the question is, whether you're going to call to God for His good plans. If you look around, you all I see is bad plans. Well, you're just not seeing them properly. Yeah, there can be some pretty harsh things, but there's good plans behind all the bad plans. And we see that all throughout the scripture. Jeremiah knows that people are about to be deported. A lot of bad news is about to happen. He knows. and That's why he's in jail, because he's telling them all the bad news. But while he's in the bad news and understanding that, God says, Look, hey, I want to tell you a secret. If you just call to me, I will show you the great and mighty things, the plans I really have in mind for Israel. Not the plans, just the enemy has. And I'll, by the way, uh, the enemy of your soul and the world itself is very busy telling you about bad plans, warning you, scaring you half to death. <clears throat> They're very good at it. We've had a couple of years of it. Bad plans. You know? Yak 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 yak. Right? In my ear all the time. So, some people have asked me, well, how can you be so positive? I just say, how can you not be positive? Who who do you worship anyway? Like like who who are you worshipping? My God can do anything so he's eliminating this COVID virus from the earth. No, he's not. There's vaccinations, blah, 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 blah. Yes, he is. I don't care how he does it. One way or another, it's going to be gone. And aren't you glad for the numbers in COVID right now? I hope all you mothers who pray, and hopefully there's dads, it's been growing great, Lord, and we just ask you just keep doing that out of our county in Jesus' name. Answer the <laughs> prayers of our mothers that are praying over this because I know for sure they are. <clears throat> okay. So we should ask boldly for our lives and our children's lives and assume God has great plans for us, even when we're discouraged. Just assume that, because that's the truth. Holding on to destiny like mothers, holding on to destiny like mothers do uh, is so important. Look at this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we need to hold on to our destiny and assume that's the truth about us. That we've been created for good works, which God prepared for us to do. Like, for example, that girl back there right in front of you, Bob, there. She's blonde-headed right next to that guy with the glasses on. Yeah, that girl right there. So I saw your destiny while I was up here. You're a worshiper. So I don't know if you sing. I don't know if you play an instrument. But you should because God's hands on you. You're a worshiper. You were called to do this. She's freaking out because I'm singling her out in the whole thing. (laughs) The reason why I'm singling you out is because God singled you out. He sees stuff. If you ask Him, He'll show you stuff. And I see stuff all the time, you know. I don't tell half of it. We'd be here all night. But I can tell when people walk in. You know, am I special? No. I just know this is the way God does. He's got plans for everybody. Right? Right? So why would it be such a secret? Why would he have plans and keep it a secret? He doesn't keep it a secret. That's why he has prophetic uh, gifting and anointing and eyes to see and ears to hear. He doesn't want it to be a secret. The devil will dull you to the place where you think you don't have one good plan left in your life. Nothing in the hopper for me. Nothing in my bag, you know. (laughs) Reminds me of how I play golf, you know. So horribly! is there one good club in this bag? One good club that will hit a good shot. One. Please, just one. So I try them all. <clears throat> yeah, one. yeah, maybe it's the ball. That's it. For we're God's hand. We're created Christ used to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. to. Isn't that amazing? You've got stuff you're prepared in advance for you to do. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. So stop looking at the bad plans and look at the good plans. For her, it's worship and praise and probably other things that I, don't, I can't see, but other things. What are you gifted for? What are you called for? So here's the thing. Mothers show us how to persist in prayer until divine destiny comes forth. So I'm speaking good news to you. Now here's how you mine it out. You pray it into being. You pray it through. You pray it to come to pass. Ask God to intervene. You're not helpless. You were made in the image of Jesus. You are born again as a believer. You're a son or a daughter. God has good plans for you. Now how do those plans come? Well, you pray them in. You simply ask God. And you keep on asking until they appear. Most of the people think of prayer as such a super spiritual, boring thing. For me, if you understand plans, I mean financial plans, marriage plans, <laughs> plans for a house, Plans to plan a church, plans for having a ministry, plans to see this happen or that happen. All these incredible plans are like a treasury, so you can get to them, but the one way you get to them is through praying for them and asking for them and not giving up till they appear. Desires that you want to see for your kids, things you'd like to see in your life, healing for your life, whatever it is. So one of the greatest examples of all this is Hannah and Samuel the prophet. So Hannah didn't have any children, and we're going to read about her for a moment here, and... uh, so it turns out that um, uh, her blessing had been delayed because she had no children for so long. And it uh, turns out that what she was carrying, what her destiny was, was to carry the beginning of prophets, was what God had for her. She was going to birth the first of the prophets and the prophetic understanding, and prophetic ministry in the world. So we see these in, in your Bible, there are the books of prophets, the prophets. Jeremiah was one of them, Isaiah. But this all started with a woman who needed something in her womb, right? So uh, 1 Samuel 1, 6 to 22. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Once when they had finished... <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'll just apologize on behalf of all men. Sometimes we are really slow. It's all about me. Don't you understand, Hannah? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? (laughs) It's so funny we can catch that now, but boy, he didn't catch any of it, right? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. (laughs) Here's another genius. Hannah and I, (laughs) Hannah was praying her heart and her Lips were moving, her, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. <laughs> you think she's drunk? She's about to birth the prophetic ministry into the planet, and Eli thinks she's drunk, and her husband says, Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> <laughs> How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. <laughs> not so, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you whatever you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. You know why her face was no longer downcast? Because she heard this reply and something inside of her snapped and she knew she had it. She knew it's a very interesting thing how this works in the realms of the supernatural. When you learn to pray, and as you pray over more and more things and see them come to pass, sometimes something just snaps on the inside. If you just know. And so it gives you fire to keep on praying, keep on pursuing. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to the home, their home at Ramah. Elkanah loved love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And Samuel means, it's got a similar sound, heard of the Lord, evidently. It kind of sounds like that in Hebrew. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. And that's exactly what happened. When Samuel was born, she took him to the temple and gave him to Eli and he began to minister there. And the prophetic anointing of God came on him and he became the great prophet Samuel who prepared the way for the kings. And these are all super important in the redemptive plan of God because the revelation of God as a king, God as a prophet, As well as God as a father. These are all revelations God was birthing. So he's not only birthing this plan for Israel, but he's birthing this this knowledge in the earth of himself and the things that extend even down to this day of the the very things that he does, the very things that he is uh, for us. So Haniel prayed for a child, named him Samuel, because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel lived before the Lord always. And Hannah's response to Samuel's birth, she reveals a secret. It's really powerful. Here's the secret. We read it in First Samuel chapter 2, verse 9. He will guard the faith of his, feet of his safe, faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Wow. <clears throat> it's not by your strength and wisdom and ingenuity first. It's by accessing heaven's authority. And asking for heaven's blessing, especially things that God has intended for you. And by the way, these plans, the more I learn about God, this is really, really good news. You think, well, God only just has like one or two little plans. And most of those are super spiritual, you know. Yeah, I know. I need to be a better Christian. You know, I haven't been tired enough where I, gosh, I had not even been in church. A matter of fact, I don't even think I like to go to church, you know. I mean, so you get stuck in all these little weirdo, small plans. You don't think big. I know the plans I have for you, he says. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And here's how you access them. It's not by strength. You simply learn to ask God for them. You simply learn to bring them down out of heaven's vault. You do not give up. You persist like this woman, Hannah, until God gives you the answer. No matter how many years it takes, no matter what it takes, you keep going. You keep going until you see God's will come to earth. So many people don't see it this way. I think our culture isn't a very spiritual culture, so we don't know a lot about this, but I have been learning through the years, and it's one of the most important messages of my whole life simply because I've seen so many things birthed through praying, just simply praying. I've watched it. Everything you see around here, everything that's happening now, everything I could tell you categorically over the last 20 years that have happened with us as a church and over abroad, It's all come out of the prayer vault. I can tell you, I I know when I prayed for it, when it happened and how it began to unfold. And Same for you. Individual plans, spiritual plans, whatever it is. God uses intercession powerfully to unfold His plans as we saw in this story. The Spirit prays, evidently. These are powerful passages, by the way. Evidently, God says my house will be a house of prayer, but it's not just us doing the prayer. God prays, everybody prays. (laughs) In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through groanless, through wordless, wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the very Spirit of God that's inside of you longs for you to pray along with Him, wants to teach you, wants to help you, wants to encourage you. He's, God's going that way. Which way are you going? God's always going this way. The Spirit's always in prayer, always in intercession, always moving on you to pray for things, practical things, simple things, financial things. I haven't got Him to alter my golf score yet, but I'm working on it. But believe me, I've tried. (laughs) Everything, because He's that kind of God. Practical in every way. And of course, helping us understand the most important things. Who then is who condemns, verse 34, no one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. When you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, did you know Jesus is interceding for you? He already interceded by giving His life for you so you could come clean before the Father, but He's also praying for you. Heaven's praying for you. Are you praying with heavens? The question. We pray. So, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace because of all that I've just said with confidence. That's a really important word, confidence. The more you pray, the more you ask, the more you see, you'll get your confidence. you get your confidence. It's so important. Heaven's vault is waiting, but it takes someone with confidence to go in. And the more you see, the more God answers prayers, the more things happen, you get your confidence back so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need let's approach god's throne of grace with confidence oh god's throne of grace is only about like spiritual things well oh, just read your bible you'll find it's about all kinds of things people bring all kinds of things financial things family matters issues about your body health whatever it is you name it <clears throat> it's all there in the throne room of god <clears throat> and moms and grandmas are uniquely designed to persist with god until he answers so I have a couple of stories here. One's Mary at Cana, Jesus' mother. I don't know how many of you got a chance to see The Chosen yet. <clears throat> it's so amazing. And So one of the episodes concerns this episode at Cana where they run out of wine. It's the most amazing thing. And the way they play it, and there's just this look. I just have it like emblazoned on my brain. Because they run out of wine, and Jesus... And, and Jesus' mother says, they run out of wine. And this was evidently a horrible tragedy. And they paint it so well in that series. But it was a horrible thing to run out of wine. The one thing you didn't want to do at a wedding, it was terribly embarrassing for the family and the household to run out of wine. It was humiliating beyond anything we could imagine, right? And so Jesus says to her, this is the Son of God, by the way. And by the way, she knows he's the Son of God. <laughs> like she didn't forget, <laughs> right? He says, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Well, oh, gee, wow. Okay. Well, I know you came from God, and I know you're the son of God. Your hour hasn't come. Oh, okay. I'm sorry for speaking up. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. She didn't even hear. She just heard the answer. She didn't even hear what he said. That's the son of God speaking. She didn't hear a thing. Do whatever he says. And And in that uh, vi- that clip, the video thing with, in the chosen, it's this look between the two of them, and it, it gets me I, I can see that it's so clearly in my mind, because the look that goes between them, you know is is just this one of understanding, right? And he's going to have compassion on her, and she knows it, you know. And then after it happens, you know, there's another look or in, in the scene she says, thank you, you know. And, ah. So this picture between us and God, the problem with most people, why they don't enter into these good plans and pray them through, is they don't think that God really is that interested in it. it it's, it's more like a machinery. Prayer then degenerates to just machinery. Or, or to, you know, if I'm good enough and if I hold my mouth right, then maybe God will listen. But it's more than that. It's intimate. I know the plans I have for you to give you a future hope. It's the intimacy between a son and his mother. It's the intimacy between you and the father. This is all family language. It's not just like royalty language or super spiritual language. It's family language. When you came to God, you came into his family, and he's interested in every part of your life, every part, not just one part, every part. And he just asked you to persist To pray, to keep on going, because the powers of hell want to keep you constrained. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your health, your money, and you know what? If you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to pursue, you don't know how to act like your mother, (laughs) then just get ripped off around every corner because you've become blind. You don't understand. The spiritual world is more powerful than the natural world. God's interested in the natural, but to access the natural, whatever kind of blessing, you have to go to God. Because the devil will try to steal everything you got. He's he goes after everything. He goes after your money. He goes after your health. He goes after everything. He never he's no stone unturned. You think, Why he, how could he steal that? Well, he does, and people let him do it routinely because they're not spiritually minded. They don't understand the good plans God has for us and the malevolent plans from the other side. But moms and grandmas know. They're <laughs> some of the best prayers around. You know what Mary did at Cana? Jesus says, it's not my time. That's a pretty big statement. It's not my time. I, I'm not supposed to be too visible yet because i got some other things i got to do and then i got to go to the cross. <laughs> it's not my time. She totally ignored it. You know? He, she, with her prayers, pulled the future into the present. Is that possible? Do we have such access with God that occasionally that could happen? That actually God was, oh, See, what that tells me is there's this relational part that we have with God. It's not just like I'm putting coins in a slot machine hoping something good comes out. That's the way some people pray. No, I'm I'm working with a real living human person. I mean, He's God, I know, but I'm working in a human sort of way where we're we're bargaining. We're going back and forth. And we see it in the Bible. Some of the strangest stories in the Bible are like people bargaining with God, you know? You see these crazy stories. You think, how how can a person do that? And even like you know, how, how can he? Abraham's bargaining with God to, for not to destroy a whole area. And he gets down pretty low. He gets takes God a long way from where he was. And he's doing it cause of his friend. That's the thing. God's your friend. He's not just that computer in the sky. It's not that he's your friend. He's your dad. He's your mother. <laughs> I know the plans I have for you. I give you a future and a hope. And moms know this so much better. Mark chapter 7, get to the end here, but I, just a couple more stories and we'll stop. (laughs) Here's another one of these stories that uh, just blow me away and and it just tells me so much and it just tells me what I can get away with, tells me what I can ask for, what I can pursue. Jesus left the place and went to the vicinity of Tyre as a Gentile region. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about it, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus said to her, first let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. He basically offended her. Dogs meaning Gentiles, and it's time I'm sent now to the Jews, and then after that we're going for the Gentiles. But this woman would not have anything to do with it. Even she said the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. I know it's not quite right time for the Gentiles, but Please, now, yeah. Jesus said, "For such a reply, you may go." The daughter, the demon has left your daughter. She yeah. went home and found her child lying in the bed, and the demon gone. How does this work? It's against the rules. <laughs> but these mothers keep violating the rules and bringing the future into the present. How does that work? And God likes the whole thing. Could it be that God plays a little hard to get to draw you out? and to this amazing communion called prayer, this amazing communion called walking with God that hits every part of your life, whether it's your sons, your daughters, your money, your finances, home, where you live, whatever you do, all of it, your calling, your anointing, every part, nothing's left out. And all the plans encompass all of those things. And Moms and grandmas are uniquely designed to persist with God until He answers all those prayers. One of the most amazing stories from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 to 37. And I'll just summarize it briefly, but the great prophet uh, Elisha uh, encounters this woman and she didn't have any son, but they'd but been providing a home for him when he went up into a certain region. And so what happens is she didn't have a son, so uh, she asked that she could have a son and, and that he would uh, pray for her. And and she's begging, and, and so he prays, and pretty soon she's got a son, but the son, like five or six years old, dies. The prophet's in another city by this time, and it's the story of what she does. Her husband says, well, where are you going? You can't go do that. You can't go just go see the guy. He says, I'm going. <laughs> Off she goes. And then Gehazi, the servant, tries to stop her from seeing the great prophet, but she doesn't listen to him either. She goes right in, and, and she just throws herself at his feet and says, You know what? You promised that I would have a son. Then I had a son and now he's six years old and he died. What what are we going to do about that? Have have mercy on me. And the interesting thing is she put the son on the bed where Elijah slept. And and he was visiting them, just left him there while she went to the other city to go get him. Right. And so Elijah, she grabs his feet. Evidently you're not supposed to do. But her passion, and and Gehazi wants to pull her off, but he says, no, no. She's in travail. And he answers the prayer, and, she goes, and he goes back with her. And, and, and at first Elijah doesn't want to go. Just go home, and he, he'll be okay. No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You're coming with me. <laughs> he tells Elijah. Was it Elisha? Elisha, I think. He, he and all that, You have to come with me. I mean, it's some miles. So she persists until he goes with her because she want to make sure this thing works out right. Because he told Gehazi, you know, just go bring my staff, put it on, and he'll be all right. No, she would have nothing to do with that. No, you're coming with me. <laughs> How do we get away with this? How do people get away with this? Oh, the secret, God likes this kind of stuff. <laughs> this persistence. He likes it. We're way too timid. So all these things should be encouragement for all moms and all believers. I just want to finish here at the very bottom of the page. I love this passage, Isaiah 49, verses 14 to 18. But Zion said, Mike said, Fred said, Julie said, Janice said, (laughs) the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born, though she might even forget you? I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your children hasten back, and those who laid you waste depart from you. Lift up your eyes and look around. All your children gather and come to you. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, you will wear them all as ornaments. You will put them on like a bride. Ornaments means you'll put them on like jewelry. You will wear them. Maybe some of your moms today have got something from your kids or something that you're wearing today. You will wear them all as ornaments. All your children gather and come to you. And being it's Mother's Day, I just declare in Jesus' name, this promise: all your children gather and come to you. All of them will be in place. They will know the Lord. They will sit at God's table. Look around. All your children gather and come to you. They're restored to you and restored to the Lord. This is a promise from the Scripture. Isaiah 8:18 8, says something about signs and wonders in Israel that kids are a part of it they're made for signs and wonders I love that passage so much signs and wonders your children are signs and wonders in Israel they were born and given to you there for a sign they, they are, represent something in the kingdom that nobody else on the whole planet can represent they're a special heritage they are unique, each one of them sometimes kids compete with one they're thinking well this one is more this and this one but all your children are signs and wonders they're all special all of them are unique in the plan of God. In Isaiah 54, we'll finish here. I love this passage so much. So in Isaiah 53, it's the prom, it's the uh, description prophetically, hundreds of years before it happened, of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Isaiah chapter 54 is everything that He purchased for us on the cross. So Isaiah chapter 53, in great detail, is prophesying hundreds of years before. Prophesying what's going to happen, how Jesus is going to come and die for the people, right? Isaiah chapter 54 tells us what he bought, all right? So here we go. Here's part of what he bought. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. And the, when the Bible says peace, it's the word shalom. And it has it's broader than be peaceful and calm and mighty heart, it has to do with peace in your finances. Peace in your job, peace in your work, peace in your family, marriage, everything. All your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their shalom. Everything you dreamed of happening to them, that's what's going to happen here. That's what Jesus bought at the cross. See, Isaiah 54 is all about what he purchased with his great blood and brought you into the kingdom. Isaiah 53 is about that. Isaiah 54 is everything that he bought. You can read it for yourself. It's very powerful. And righteousness, he says, you'll be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You'll have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. I declare that over this COVID virus and all the other terrors that are in our culture. It will not come near us or our house. It will be far removed from us. This is not our inheritance. It's the other guy. God the Father and the Son and what He purchased for us on the cross. This is our inheritance. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Whoever attacks you will surrender. Get that? As a born again child of God, if they attack you, if something attacks you, they have to surrender to you. See, as I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals in the flame and forges a weapon fit for its work, as I who have created the Destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You'll refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me. Wow. It says everything. God's good plans. Let's all stand. Jesus, are in this place, and we've heard this word. I pray you let this word settle deep. I pray, God, you would encourage the discouraged. Anyone who stopped believing in good plans a long time ago. Anyone who has had especially bad news within their family or their life or situation. I declare in this place. You feel that stillness in the air that's the Holy Spirit. That means the word's going deep. It means we're believing. And tomorrow when you wake up you're going to have to face the same world. But may you face it with the good plans. The Lord has for you believing in those plans. Plans for marriage partners. Plans for good jobs. Plans for sons and daughters to return. Plans for housing. Oh, it's too expensive here. No way I could ever buy a house. Really? Yeah, God's kind of poor. Yeah, I know. He kind of gives that stuff. Uh, you know, it's, He's really intimidated by the Southern California economy, you know. It scares him half to death. He just <laughs> can't believe it that, you know, that inflation and everything. Wow. We got our eyes in entirely the wrong place. Lord, I declare your good plans. I declare a future and a hope. There are dreams in your heart right now. Maybe you haven't even dared to say or even think that you could even get close to. No, I'm too bad. No, I'm this, I'm that. If you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that's what you need to know. Do business with God, He'll do business with you. Take this little Bible promise book and take the scriptures in, moms, and pray for these promises. They're all through here. Everything about everything. Whether you need a friend, whether you need a husband, whether you need endurance, when you have doubts, everything. The Word of God has something you can pray back to God. He likes the words he wrote, by the way. So, I'd like to do is uh, we'll just do some worship here. Maybe we'll just do one song here. I, if you could just do this, I just encourage you to use this as just a moment to take because we've been hearing the Word of God, we've been before the Lord. It just take just a few minutes. It doesn't take a long time. It doesn't take huge amounts of discipline. Whatever is utmost in your heart today it might be in your business, it might be over your family, it might be of a situation and, and you want this from the Lord. It might be to have a husband, to have a wife, it might be to have a career, it might be to see something healed in your family line, it might be about a child you're worried about or something concerned just could you be bold enough to give it a shot so oh i i've sinned too much i've just been away too long i haven't been in the rhythm of this you don't have to there's no getting in the rhythm of it there's just yes or no do you want to pursue god now or not i don't care what's happened before this minute god doesn't either he cares what you do right now in this moment not what happened before if the locusts and the demonic things and maybe just your own sense of depression, discouragement have stolen things from you or got you distracted or whatever it is, got you in a hole, I just encourage you just to take courage while we're worshiping. Just tell God all about it in your heart. Just ask Him to get you out of this pit and to deliver you from evil. You know what? And you don't have to be too much more fancy than that. What's on your heart? What would you like to see? Ask Him for that. Ask big in this moment because I believe there's an anointing to ask right now. While we're worshiping, ask big. front and pray. Up. Sacred space for the Lord. Maybe you're seeing this on your phone or somewhere else. Just take a moment. Pause wherever you are. Pull off to the side of the road if you have to. Pray. The wide door open here for the good plans God has for us. We declare them today. Stay here for a little longer if you don't mind worshiping. Can you just do this? And, um, if you need to go, it's okay. If you want to just stay for a while, just stay, because we're gonna keep worshiping. I can see the number of you are truly engaged with the Lord. Probably here and also at home or wherever you're watching us. So don't waste this moment to keep praying. And if you need to go or pick up children or whatever you need to do, just be careful how you leave. And this is a kind of a holy moment here careful how you leave and how you talk to your friends. Just uh, Some people are doing some wonderful business with the Lord. I hate to interrupt that. I love this song. Just keep singing that same song for a minute.